Well, howdy, y'all. This is Market Explainer, episode 48. We are America's number one business news podcast. I, of course, am always Danny and joined by my co-host. That's right. Taste it. The big taste man. It. Taste it. Uh, um, yes, I am missing my hat this week. Yeah, uh, we had some technical fr- difficulties. and he's, uh, uh, yeah. he's fresh off of his gaming, Twitch gaming uh apparatus hey do not so, do not you know uh, diss whatever. any of the gaming you you know twitch streamers out there I, I, don't. I enjoy it these sound great on my end yeah. it just does not look my normal as well, whatever who cares uh so on this episode we are going to talk about youtube's uh revenue which is astounding mm-hmm. we're going to talk about zillow dumping uh what is it a half a billion dollars <laughs> into a venture and then just ditching it uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. um of course there's no reason to panic but the robots are going to f- take over even more things we all knew this yeah and um scooter rental company lime wants to go public and it makes me want to barf As before we jump into these stories i want to tell you about our patreon Starting with episode 50, our full episode video will only be on Patreon mm-hmm. for free. I encourage you to sign up, mm-hmm. being very transparent here. The We're still in negotiations will- about that free. I'm I'm trying to make it you know cost something. Danny wants to well, give it to you free. I don't know about all that, but go ahead. Well, screw me and my toughness for trying to be a capitalist and trying to whatever, but you know <laughs> the point is. You should go join our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash market explainer. Mm-hmm. All of our clips will come out as usual, and the audio will come out in full and as clips in the two different streams as they have been for quite some time. Um, and we encourage you to join wherever you listen to podcasts. The audio is actually surprisingly, uh, to, to this man's surprise, is doing superbly well. So It's because of my awesomeness. It's all right. You can admit it. <clears throat> no. Uh, of course, that is um, patreon.com says market explainer. We also have marketexplainer.com. Mm-hmm. We have, you can learn about all of our sponsors, many of which I own mm-hmm. and uh, very few of which he owns. And uh, there's, there's that. Got to give Danny so a bone somehow. That's all I'm saying. So this, this first story we're going to explain to you, we're going to mansplain it to you, mm-hmm. is uh, YouTube's quarter three revenue ballooned. 43% up to $72 billion, which includes 50 million music subscribers and premium subscribers, of which I am one, which is why I don't have Spotify, because I have YouTube Premium, which used to be called YouTube Red, but it seemed a little easy. Mm-hmm. So they re- rebranded it to Premium. But the crazy part about this is it's getting really close to Netflix levels of revenue, which is wild. Okay, so you have two different parts of this, all right? One, because the way, again, we're getting into stocks and the way company, public traded companies report things like sales data and stuff like that. So you have two different parts of this. You have the ad revenue, which we all know, right? The ads that you see on this YouTube video or anybody else's. And then you have subscription-based revenue, right? Two completely different things. So, so. Both of these and this article that Danny sent me actually tried to really in a weird way didn't do a very good job of explaining which is which and how it all grew. The because you have they have now found worldwide they hit fifty million subscribers, 
right? On average, they have two different products. You have your, like you were talking about, your YouTube subscription model, and then right. you have a radio subscription model. Well, the streaming right? music, YouTube right. music. But it, they, they count those in one category is right. the point. So when they say 50 million, they're combining the audio with right. the video as well, right? So the way it works for those who are unfamiliar is I have YouTube premium. I pay, I think it's $9 or $10 a month. And I don't get any ads on YouTube and I get unlimited music streaming. Right. So the, you can get music or you can get music and the video, YouTube, which right, is, the video, which, which is, is YouTube have, premium, yeah. right? When you average those two together, I mean, I think yours is $12. The music is like $10 a month or whatever. But even yeah. if you just go with that bottom number, it doesn't take a mathematician to go 50 million times yeah. 10 at a zero. That's $500 million of revenue a month, right? right? Like that's, that's, and then it's you, okay. well, and then you add that to the increase in ad revenue, right? right. Which is up 43% for this quarter alone. Right. Now you start talking and this is where we get that magic number. Netflix last quarter, um, I think 7.48 billion versus yeah. YouTube 7 billion in Q2. Exactly. So this is where the article is written about these numbers get really close to another. And I, but where Netflix doesn't have the ad revenue, they just have the subscription model, right? right. YouTube's combining these two things. Uh, the difference, though, I think that, again, people get, because we get caught up in these numbers when we talk about uh, market share and stuff like that. Right. Obviously, it's not just about the numbers. Netflix no. is obviously investing heavily into their own content, that kind of stuff. YouTube tried that and then discontinued it very quickly. It didn't work, yeah. It didn't work at all, right? Um, uh, I think maybe at some point, if they get back into the game, maybe they can. So, from a truly just, not value, but a money-making standpoint they right. are close right obviously seven billion seven and a half billion but from a futuristic planning standpoint right i i just they're not even on the same planet right now so here's the one thing that you have to i mean youtube does not have to worry about content creation in the same manner so there's and a delta Netflix, here yeah. yeah there's a half a billion dollar delta here between their earnings but if you look at it like from the perspective of Netflix has to spend a lot of money to create content because or they got us it. hooked or acquire what, it. whatever it is. Licensing yeah. And, it, however. Yeah. And so like in, in the situation of YouTube premiums, you know, original series, a lot of them got purchased up by other streaming platforms and they will continue They'll live on over there. <clears throat> like for instance, Cobra Kai was YouTube premium first, right? right? And then it went to Netflix and I freaking love that show. And when Netflix got it and all of a sudden everybody's talking about it, I felt like a hipster. I was like, I used to see them down at the Vulcan Wow. No <laughs> I one else first, liked them. Before yeah. it was cool. I have not seen a single minute of that show, and I probably so should, but a lot of people love it. And it's on what yeah. season four or five now on Netflix, right? So yeah, it's, it's coming. It's obviously popular, right? Super and that popular. kind of thing. So um it's one of those things. I'm glad that television, Netflix, these things have finally come to a place where all right, you lose your home here for whatever reason. All right. of these others really, in today's world, you have a real shot of getting picked up by a Netflix, by a Hulu, right. by a whatever, so, right? So a great example of this would have been Manifest, 
It did mm-hmm. three seasons on NBC. Yep. Um, they, uh, you know, Netflix starts, uh, puts it on their platform. They buy it or they, they license the rights to it. And the most crazy thing happens. The show gets canceled because nobody watched it on NBC. Mm-hmm. We all watched it at home because there's literally nothing new coming out because of, you know, El Tecate. So we end up, everybody watched it. It was top 10 on Netflix for many, many weeks. Netflix goes out, acquires it, says we're going to do a final season, uh, you know, to close out the story. It's wild that, you know, that can happen. And that's not, that's not a story of just one show that happens a lot. um, Because Netflix realizes that they have this kind of lean production model where they built the audience they got the audience hooked on something that they licensed yep. and then they go buy it when somebody else doesn't want it. If a show gets canceled and someone says, I'll buy it from the guy who canceled it. It's literally like this thing doesn't run. My car doesn't run anymore. I don't want it. Haul it away for its junk value. Yep. But then the guy goes, hey, spark plugs and just sticks and then it runs. And now it's so it's um, it's happened to several shows, right? They they've done shows. But so here's here's two things and I'll let Danny decide whether they're necessarily good or bad in his opinion. Two things that are driving this. Um I think one of them is a good marketing stream, a marketing idea and it's it's worked so far that I don't know that necessarily will continue and that obviously YouTube like Facebook has been around a long time, right? Yeah. And garnering the attention of younger people, right? Generations is always a, for any business, marketing right. to younger and younger generations gets more and more difficult the older of a company you are, right? YouTube has one of those. Obviously, it's came out here recently with YouTube Shorts. Right. Now, again, it's not always translated into new customers or new right. eyeballs, but in this case, it has. That obviously has trended into this increase in ads, and then increase in ad revenue, right? Right. So far as the numbers are concerned, this is the first quarter since they've added YouTube Shorts that they've actually seen a first-time creator of that demographic actually double. So that's in it. That can be a good thing. Again, I don't know how sustainable that is, Growth right? Is. And then the other part of that that I say is is I don't I don't know if this is again sustainable or a new thing. But apparently in the last up Apple update, if you have an iPhone that you use, Apple iPads or whatever, in the latest update, whether you know it or not, uh, you are required as part of the Apple update to opt in for their modest tracking feature that goes directly to Alphabet. That Alphabet then in turn uses to give you more specific ads on your right. Apple device, which leads to higher revenue from revenue. the same ad. Does that make sense? So right, if right, you right. have an Apple product, which 30% of the world does, 70% right. uses Android, 30% like, uses Apple. Like, like us. Right. So if you use an Apple product, whether you know it or not, you were opted in to share modest whatever modest is in whatever quotes, that legally. means modest amounts of data with youtube and alphabet as in general that they then in turn to get a higher price for the ads that you see on your apple device right so 
again, whether that's good or bad, I'll leave it to you. But you add these two things together and all of a sudden you start seeing how them making more money for the quarter, they've made right. a couple of really strategic decisions. And listen, I think I didn't even consider YouTube shorts because I don't get ads on anything. So I don't I didn't realize that they were running at makes perfect sense now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, money no, let me ask you money. this. Considering that you're the market in this explainer mm -hmm. or you're the explainer in this market explainer. <laughs> um, are there any shorts native uh, content makers, content creators. Not of any big ones that I've seen okay. or read about. And it's all again, just reposts of, what from takes, TikTok right? and Reels. Yes. Well, but it's not even... Some of it is repost from TikTok. Some of it is TikTok, for TikTok generated videos that are repurposed onto yes. YouTube, right? Yep. Which is not exactly a repost, but it's the same, right? Right, right. same um, concept. Uh, I, we, I've thought about it because I, t I make all of our TikTok comment for Market Explainer. I've thought right. about taking a lot of our old TikTok videos and just uploading you them as YouTube shorts. Um, but uh, because it's very similar in size and, and angle and yeah. yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so I have not yet read about or come across like your TikTok, right? Like Call Me Chris for TikTok or any of these, right? Ooh. The Bearded Wonder or any of these. I, other I finally know who Call Me Chris is, by the way. <laughs> but that's my point is, is I know about all of these TikTok people, right? That are creators. I have yet to read a single article written about a specific, hey, this is YouTube, YouTube short creator. Um, creator or whatever. Um, they're all been repurposed. Same thing for, uh, what is it? Um, uh, what's the other one that they tried Snapchat. to jump to? Um, no, they, they all tried to... Uh, I'll remember. Instagram Reels? Anyway, it's it's a TikTok-like, but it's not from China. The, yeah, yeah, the American one. That yeah, ended up being kind and of a I, scam. Don't, I don't remember what yeah. it's... But a lot of TikTokers tried to jump to it because they were unhappy with TikTok. And, right. and, and it just hasn't created that same wave. Right. Right, right, right. So everybody still, all those creators still post on right. TikTok, right? Triller, triller. Yeah. So exactly. Um, so you, when you add up all of this stuff and you put it all into what we're talking about here about YouTube and stuff like that, I mean, YouTube, as far as Alphabet, right, as right. far as the Alphabet Corporation or whatever, is still dwarfing Netflix as a whole. Right. I mean, when you add in all the cloud businesses and, and all course. this stuff, I mean, you're talking about Alphabet literally this past quarter with all of these revenue data coming out has shown a profit of twenty seven dollars and ninety nine cents per share on the market. Right. It's an insane amount of money that right. this company and then to kind of tail it back into what we were talking about last week when you're creating that kind of revenue. Right. Which is, yeah. you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of. I don't know, $15, 16000000000 billion a quarter is what Alphabet is bringing in, right? right. That's, that's profit, by the way. That's not yeah. what it's profit. You can see why the story we talked about last week about Meta, which is now, well, you know was, what I mean, or whatever, yeah, wanting was, to spend $10 billion in yes, a quarter, right, right, for the remainder of this year for a new product. Right. Well, you've got companies like Alphabet, Meta, and so yeah. making $15 billion in profit a quarter, eh, okay, so I'll sacrifice my profit. I'm telling you up front that my, my profit is going to be down by 67% next quarter. Yeah. 
listen, let's just be honest with ourselves here. None of these numbers, they're real, but they're real like plastic is real. It's all make-believe. Money's (laughs) fake. It's not real. It's all monopoly money. But nonetheless, I included this story simply because we are podcasters first, but in a roundabout way, we're YouTubers. And um, I've, I've always, I've been fascinated by um, the YouTube platform because there really hasn't been a competitor. And there's all of these kind of video sharing platforms that pop up. We're actually working on uh, getting on rumble right now. It's just one of those things where it's just, I'm going to add another plate, you know, another that should plate go over spin. really well with some of our content. That's all I'm saying, but go ahead. I, that's why we're going there though. Right. right. Is we're there to, I'm, I am here to do middle fingers to everybody <laughs> and I'm going there to do middle fingers to them. That's right. So, you just want to create waves wherever you go. And that's that, the you, goal here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But this but, is a so, great. This is a good topic for people that are obviously on this kind of platform. Yeah. Whether if you're watching the video or even and, if you're podcasting in general, this is important. And the other thing to note for YouTube creators is how is your revenue looking? If their revenue is up, is your revenue up? Uh, because I know a lot of creators are in a situation where you know they uh, YouTube premium original content at a show. Um, I forget what it was called off the top of my head, but it was of a teenage boy going around doing some pretty violent things. At the same time, YouTube was striking content for extremely modest, like mm-hmm. not crazy stuff. And a lot of people are uh, were losing uh, on revenue. They're uh, uh, monetizable because of their style of content. But they're still getting ads run against them. They're not their their content isn't showing up ad free. No, they just can't get any of the ad revenue. So I think there continues to be frustration on the side of creators. And you know we're not YouTube cre- content creators in a native sense. We're podcasters. Right. We just we just happen to deliver the the video of our podcast on YouTube because it's the most sensible place to do it uh, for the moment. But what I'm trying to get at is whether there's enough creators that have enough frustration, there will come a time when a competitor emerges. And when you start throwing out crazy numbers like this, venture venture backed startups will start emerging to compete with YouTube in the creator content creator first video delivery platform. And like I mentioned with Rumble, like Glenn Green, Glenn Greenwald, who's not some like you know right wing conservative. Yeah. He's a lefty. He's on Rumble, right? But you're you're talking about there's going to be a, a decent amount of people that may listen to this podcast that may not even know that Rumble exists, and that's Correct. the thing because you're talking about YouTube and Rumble essentially do the same thing, right? Correct. Do exactly the same thing, same features whatever just two different websites but when people go to google and they type in i'm about to watch a video they type in youtube not right. this was the argument against dot coms when you got dot orgs and do, all these other dot right. dot dots whatever nobody's Field typing days. in dot whatever it's dot com yeah. it's their automatic right. at this point so how do you create a similar right and then get the people to those platforms well, it's not right. just the artist joe rogan has shown that on you know what I mean? Spotify. Spotify. That that his his 
the amount of people that followed him is not 100%. Right. Right? There's still and, a large chunk of them that go and watch the clips on YouTube or right. whatever. So so that becomes the problem. YouTube it has either got to change or die in that fashion. Right. I think, look, capitalism wins all in the end. Yes. When you when uh, There's going to be a time in probably the not-so-distant future that as revenue has created for YouTube and Google, buy those ads – and a certain number of your very popular shows on the platform realize that, okay, Google's revenue is up by 50%. My content that's getting the same number of views as I was a year ago, my raise wasn't 50%, right? right. On their ad revenue, it was maybe modestly 3% or 5% or whatever it may be, right? In growth, there's going to be a reckoning, and there always is in capitalism, right? right? Yeah, of course. And in markets, there's always going to be um, and listen, we're seeing the emergence of brand deals where companies are going, yeah, we don't care. Yep. He got a, if somebody gets accused of something, yeah, whatever. Like they're coming to a point where like, you know, there was a famous YouTubers accused of something, uh, you know, even right now there's Dave Portnoy getting accused of things and, uh, it but doesn't look like it's slowing anything they're down. They're buying your audience, your eyes, not your yeah. ethics. And that's where, right. again, capitalism comes in. And yeah. we all, again, perfect world, people wouldn't hire bad people. But the fact is, there are people on YouTube and every other platform, social media platform, there are saying god-awful things and maybe lying or accurate or whatever. Some of some of which I agree with. <laughs> but the point is, is whatever, if they have enough of an audience as Correct. a company, as a capitalist company, yeah. I have zero problems with a company buying those eyeballs because they're not yeah. buying, they're buying that. They're not buying the ethics, right? Correct. I mean, totally. all these different people out there that we could list several of them that are horrible people, but if they have a big enough audience, there are people that were advertised on their channel. They will advertise yeah. for their whatever. Right. And that's just the point. So uh, YouTube as a company is going to continue to try and grow that. I think that's one of the things, one of the hurdles they've had with like their YouTube shorts or some of the other products they've come along with is... Again, it, I think YouTube is still not completely the Wild West like it used to be 10 years right, ago. Which I miss. I miss the Wild West, man. But it, it still pretty much is. There are a lot of yeah. channels well. that figure out ways to bypass certain rules in certain ways. Um, they right. actually acknowledged here recently that they are um, going to demonetize certain videos that are made by certain age groups meant for younger age groups right right and that kind of stuff so all of this is an ever-changing environment of trying to True. keep advertising advertisers happy happy but at the same time advertisers they will make a stink over someone talked about el tecate or whatever but that's their customer you well, are the, not the, their customer well, correct but let me just point this out whatever there's a you know, a breaking story. You go watch CNN. They're taking or Fox or whomever. Mm. They're taking plenty of ad breaks. So, you know, these big companies have no problem advertising on platforms like CNN. But when it comes to YouTube, they know that they can play the they can they can play the social justice angle and say, oh, how dare anybody monetize that content? Well, because it's, then, yeah. it's 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 a win-win for them because they yes. get to play the 
I can get out of my contract I may or may not have had with you because of the social acceptability clause clause that's in everybody's contract, right? So I can use this as an advantage to not pay you in some, like, NFL players' (laughs) categories or whatever. I cannot pay you the millions of dollars that I may have owed you. And I get to look like the good guy in it. So I get right. to back out of a contract, and I get to look like the good guy while I'm in, while I'm doing it, right. playing the moral high ground. So it's a win-win for them, even if, though, by the way, for example, in most sports, whether it's NBA, NFL, or whatever, most of those advertisers that fire people that are under the heat ultimately get back into business with them eventually. Right. Which, Which nobody is, tracks that. Nobody goes, hey, wait a minute. Uh, Nike dropped this guy, but six but months they later, he's got back. another Nike deal, but it's just for half of what it was. Right. That's all. Right. So like, they use it, it's just interesting to watch mega corporations use social justice as a contract negotiating tactic. That's all. Well, exactly. I mean, you, you're talking. Uh, so, again, and, and this is a company like YouTube, in this right. case, Alphabet, right? Google and all of this kind of stuff. That is playing that same game, right? right. They're, they're increasing their ad revenue by and not necessarily increasing at the same rate what so they're then, revenue sharing. And that's that to me was the, the essence of the story as we're closing this out was one of the ways they're not talking about how they raised revenue was through demonetizing, decreasing ad rates by basically shucking and jiving the creators out of revenue because what they did was they turned themselves into the ubiquitous place to share video content. Mm -hmm. The only place to go to share video content, if you want it on your phone, if you want to reach the ultimate audience, where do you go? YouTube. Mm -hmm. And they changed the algorithm. They make it so that it's harder for creators to build an audience and make it harder for creators to make money and they say, look at what we did. We increased our revenue. Wait until that email comes out, like the Facebook out or whatever, yeah, yeah, where yeah. that email that says, like an insurance company, denies a certain amount of claims because they get to keep the money for an extra 30 days, even though they should pay them. Right, and the, right, right. You know what I mean? Yada, mm-hmm. yada. That, think about that from, from Alphabet standpoint. If right. I demonetize a certain number percentage of videos... Right. On these given times, on these certain levels, it automatically adds a certain dollar amount to their pocketbook. Right. So they just do that. Yeah, I'm sure they do anyway. You know what I'm saying? We're so presuming that they do because we you're can't know. If you're an auditor for Alphabet, yeah, I want how much is that in the handbook of? Here's what you're gonna do. Here's what you, right, here's right, part right. of your rates. You've yeah. got to demonetize a certain percentage of these videos for this reason on this time frame on this whatever. And right. if you don't, right, it. Right. I'm just saying there's a bean counter that works at Alphabet that has this calculation down. Of course. Again, that's my conspiracy theory. <clears throat> I don't know that. I'm just right. saying that if they don't, they should. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. All right. What do we got next, Danny? Uh, we, we're going to talk about Zillow dropping half a billion dollars on a project and then just dipping on it. But before that, I want to tell people about Acre Gold, our sponsor for this segment. Meet the new store of value, same as the old store of value, God's money, gold. Acre Gold lets you deposit $50 a month into an account, and as that account accrues to um, spot price or spot and 10% or whatever the value is, Mm -hmm. two and a half grams of gold, they do something wild, wacky, and crazy. They ship you two and a half grams of gold. We live in precarious times. Everything's getting more and more expensive. 
a lot of people consider and think about gold as a, as a hedge against inflation. I don't know if that's true, but I can tell you, I am someone who owns physical gold buried under trees throughout the continental United States. <laughs> like Johnny Appleseed. And just, just, just Ron money Swanson. everywhere. You'll hey. never find it, baby. There you go. <clears throat> you can hit our link in the description down below to get started with Acre Gold. Um, and, and start becoming a gold investor today. That's right. So this uh, next story we're going to mansplain to you is... Uh, I quit saying that, all right? That's a term that I'm sure people Google and certain number of words said or whatever. So can you, yeah. not, can you not just say mansplaining again? All right, go ahead. So this next story I'm going to manspread to you is... Uh, <laughs> I'm a man and I'm explaining. So, all right, go ahead. So, uh, my good friends over at Zillow got into the house flipping business, dropped a half a billion dollars uh, buying up single family homes, probably on, at unrealistic prices, which drove up the value of other homes, probably because the comps, that's how this all works, uh, and probably inflated housing just a tad. Okay, so all right, everybody listening to this podcast knows how much I love my co-host. I, I care about my co-host or whatever, and uh, I Same. appreciate him. Love um, you too, buddy. And this is also a great example of how Danny, in certain stories, I won't I won't use the term all the time. You know right. what I mean? But in certain stories, Danny seems a number, and then he reads a certain amount of words instead of reading all the words, and doesn't exactly get the number applied to the the situation correctly i read the headline and i do this story i read nothing beyond the headline so when he says a half a billion that he said the statement they a couple of times now that they spent it dropped a half a billion dollars on buying properties or whatever no 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 550 million is what they've lost this year oh not 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 that's not what they spent Oh, that's their oops. losses for oops. this year. Oops, that's they've lost <clears throat> a half a billion dollars. So they so they spent more is what you're getting at, right? My my point is now. So over the 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 during the third quarter alone, okay, they bought over ninety six hundred homes, almost ninety seven hundred homes. That's a right? lot of houses. Okay, the problem is is at the price that they wanted to sell them, they only got rid of a third of those. That's Just over good. three thousand. So, yeah. so what you have, and and Danny sent me this story a couple of days ago, and I sent him back this great this this great little thing that I yeah. found that said, you know, oh my God, imagine you let a robot buy houses for you. You know what I mean? Right. And with an algorithm, and then you're amazed that you're losing money and you don't know what to do with it. Here, here's the fact that people no, don't I'll, understand. I'll read it to you. So Zillow let a robot buy up thousands of properties, outbidding real bar, uh, buyers, artificially inflating the market. And now they'll be laying off a quarter of its workforce and selling off the properties, probably to big funds like BlackRock and vastly discounted prices. Got it right? Basically. Exactly. Right. So uh, because and that is the gist of this entire article. Right. Zillow has never. And I can't. I, I can't since Zillow's creation, which I hate, yeah. right? I, I despise Zillow. Are you allowed to say that? I, I don't care. 
My point okay. is, I don't work for Zillow. I've never worked with Zillow, and I've right. always refused to do so because of this. Zillow is the mortal enemy of the professional real estate industry. And the reason it always has been, in my opinion, is because they have never had access to what we as the re professional real estate agency have access, meaning actual sold data. They have right. had an algorithm, a proprietary algorithm, where they've consistently added to, much like Google's search algorithm or whatever right. else, they've had their own algorithm to guess what properties are worth and what they will be worth moving well, forward. And, and they also crawl and scrape data from county records offices to look at sold. Don't they but do you that? You can do all of that. The point right. is, it's not always accurate. So, right. if you it's highly how great your accurate how great your algorithm is, if it's right. based on inaccurate data, you get an inaccurate result. This Correct. is the first time since Zillow's existence that they yeah. use that algorithm to try and then in turn make money off of. And yes. guess what happened? It Oopsie failed daisy. miserably. So right. all of these people that have, for, for however long in its existence, that have relied on it because of good marketing, by the way, yes. just yeah, which, tons and tons of marketing, much right. like we were talking about YouTube.com being, everybody's been to Zillow. I've been to Zillow as the website, right? And yeah. typed in an address or whatever, right? So you go to Zillow.com because of that marketing and that, right. that memory. It's a brand. It's Kleenex for real estate. Absolutely. And then you go yeah. on there and you're assuming because of their size that the information is accurate and right. it's just not. But convincing some people... And again, in my profession, I own a real estate company, convincing yeah. some people it's impossible. And if I get that, I'm walking away as a professional. I am not fighting against your per perception Zillow of Zillow brain. Yeah, of your the belief that Zillow is reality. But what is this is what's really telling, right? Is that Zillow's iBuyer, is that what it's called? iBuyer? Uh, these programs, iBuyer is a. Is a term is that describes term for, all of them open door yeah. zillow yeah. anybody doing this i'm going to give you an automatic um yep, yep, valuation yep, yep. of your your thing oh, and then yeah. i'm going to buy it right so what's what's fascinating to me about all these programs was um we see a lot in venture backed tech mm -hmm. this notion that we're you know and this is a phrase and this phrase this one phrase if i hear a person and i'm just going to say something this is I hear this both in kind of Christian ministry and in tech. And whenever I hear anybody say this phrase, I automatically barf, but I don't just barf. I, I go to that person. I try to open it and I try to barf in their mouth because that's what you deserve. Okay. And right, this is the phrase, you know, we're really going to change the world with stop talking. I'm going to barf in your mouth. But it, what we, what I've noticed, and this is what made me, so the whole reason I moved from where I was born and raised, where I had all my buddies uh, to Austin, Texas, out of every other city in Texas mm -hmm. was because of tech. And in my head, I wanted to be a tech startup guy. Right. And the more I very lightly waded into those waters of tech startup, right, never, never really getting to the, you know, the capital factory and all those other kind of super Austin-y uh, startup culture things, mm -hmm. I realized how fake and plastic and nonsense it all was. And how, and this is a, as a guy who's a, you know, Austrian school of economics 
acolyte of free markets. And the first lesson of market economics is that value is subjective. Mm-hmm. And I simply do not see the value in any of these tech startups, tech companies, because it's not based, it's feelings. Well, and that, that again, we've talked about that in stocks, right? Respond to emotion. And this, and this, speaking of that, in this, this is where in the last several days, in the last week since this was announced, you've had a lot of people, then you get these opinions and read-offs, right? And what yeah, I mean yeah, by yeah. that is the question becomes anybody when you're talking about business, one of the follow-up questions is typically, well, why now? Right. And you get two different answers for that right now. And neither one of them are known, but you get two different answers. One of them is going, okay, Zillow came in and said, all right, enough. We've lost enough money. We don't know what we're doing. We need to get out. Right. Which happens sometimes in business. You try a new product, you try a new whatever. It doesn't work out. There's a time to cut off that arm before it kills you and then get out of the business. The problem is, is you have other people, though, that take something like this and go, hey, Zillow knows something we don't because of all their data collection. That means a housing crisis is coming and it's going to crash. They're getting out before the housing crashes. I don't think that's the case. I don't either. But my point is, is there are people out there making this assumption, right? Again, you have something like this, a big company stop doing something. People start reading into. They they lost money in a unprecedented time where single family homes were are remain a hot commodity right where there is uh, there is uh, an unfortunate low amount of supply and there is unbelievable demand what i was trying to get at was simply that um this is one of those times where a company had to put their put money where their mouth was and it didn't go well no, and then they want to turn around and sell it to institutional investors like BlackRock and stuff like that, which right. does not even – look, all these people they've screwed over in the last year or so since they've well, started doing this, right? All of these people – when I say they've screwed over, meaning the average everyday person that they're trying right. to buy – the that are trying to buy right. homes like every other normal day, month, and they year. Get, and they get outbid by an iBuyer. Because there's an algorithm saying, well, we can pay four or five percent more mm-hmm. when you know when it's a you know a single family, an actual just a guy and a gal or whatever, and their kids and their dog, and they're trying to buy their first house, and they can't do that because mm-hmm. Zillow came and said we'll pay eight percent more. And if I'm the seller, because their algorithm told them that six months from now, when they want to try and flip it, it's going to be yeah, worth X and more. Y and whatever. Yeah. But again, the point is, so you've created this issue, and it, and you could very easily do the right thing by, okay, you're going to take a loss anyway. Why not put them back on the market for what they're actually worth, right? right. which is less, but what they're actually worth, and sell it to these people that haven't been able to buy a home in a year and a half. Your normal right. average every day, I'm and, putting 35 5% down. And let me just say, if I'm Zillow, I'm my CEO is doing a commercial or something. They're putting out a YouTube ad or something where the where the CEO sits down and said, "Hey guys, we made a huge mistake. Now here's what we're going to do: we're going to sell these houses, and they're going to take a huge loss. They're going to write mm-hmm. off the loss on their taxes, so it's worth it for them. Right? But the goodwill they're going to create by saying, write us, tell us your story about how this you pandemic." Bl- or whatever has affected your ability to live comfortably and how you need a home. They're still going to sell you the house. They're just going to sell to you at a mm-hmm. loss for them. 
let's say they take 30, 40 points. So now they're going to sell discounted homes and they're going to allow, uh, permit and allow, and it will <laughs> turn around the, their perception. And all they're going to do is get a huge tax break. The ad so would write itself, right? Uh, a, a button up we already instead did of a, a suit, you know what I mean? Yes, you got yes, Zillow, yes. whatever. The but ad sleeves are rolled up. Sleeves it, are rolled exactly, up. Exactly, right? You know, maybe a loosened up tie if you win a tie, right? The, the ad would write itself, but they're not going to do that. And the, why are they not going to do that? Because, again, that would – look, this is already going to take a while to unwind. They have so many yes. houses, right, and stuff. It's already going to take a while to unwind. But by selling it to like a BlackRock or whatever, it's, it's just a clean one guy slate. Writes, yeah. It's a clean one slate. Guy, one guy comes in, writes one check, but they're going to end up laying off a lot of their staff. 25%. You just, yes, now, if you just reposition that staff to say, we are going to wind down this division of our business, but before we do that, everyone has an opportunity to accept a new contract position. And that is, you're going to have to read 2 million stories and pick out the best ones that are going to make the best marketing. Whatever. Right? And we're just, and hey, guess what? If they just gave away the houses and wrote off the whole thing as a loss, the marketing, the, the, the money, the goodwill that they would gain from the market would be unprecedented. But they're not going to. It's, it's it, yeah. because they do not want to go through the process. If they were smart, they would create that ad. They would go to their local, my company, whatever, yeah. here in Austin. They would go to the local, you know what I mean? The, the yeah. local uh, real estate business people, the professionals, and go, hey, help us, uh, help us unwind this. Help yeah. us get the most money we can get for each individual house, right, right? When we're selling it, tell us what, go to the professional that does what you want to do and right. ask them their advice on what they actually should do. Yeah. So and then we, they would lose less money. They're not going to get it all back, but they're going to lose less, but they don't we care. Just, we just explained how Zillow can take this epic mega fail and turn it into a win for their business because the way that you feel about Zillow, you only you feel that way. You don't know. You're just saying this is how you feel and how you perceive things. Mm -hmm. That feeling will eventually trickle down to customers because they see Zillow do things like this. And in order to gain goodwill with the with the with the marketplace, they could do something like we just described two or three different ways to get rid of these houses. Mm -hmm. But the all in all likelihood, we're guessing. They're going to go to a handful of funds and distribute these houses amongst those funds because it's we don't have to have a conversation with 8,000 people to sell 3,000 homes or whatever the leftover is. We're going to have a conversation with two people. They're just going to come in and write big fat checks. And guess what? All of those properties then become rental properties. Yeah. They don't become homeowners. They don't become so. Right. Uh, so you're literally saying to Zillow, which bought all these houses under the assumption that they were going to then turn around and sell them to people, right. are not going to sell them to people at all. They're going to sell them to landlords and right. you know, what I mean? and then renters and stuff like that. And so it it just creates this insanity that you could come out the good guy instead of the bad. But again, they're not they're not thinking on that level. They just they've gotten to a point where they've lost so much money. They've hit that right. i want to cut my arm off right the arm's right. dead i'm saying it's dead i want right. it out i want it gone so we're gonna take this clip i'm going to tweet zillow i'm gonna invite <laughs> them to to do this and big man and i will offer our services um at at market rate 
uh, to help them craft the correct message. If I'm so, working with Zillow, it may be a little more above my right? And well, they're going to have to, you know what I mean? Look, well, stop saying things. That oh, I'm you know. sorry. I mean, yes, yeah. I will uh, help you. All right. We're going to jump into this next story. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Big Man Gear. Big Man Gear is this guy's company. That's right. What he does is he takes his sickest burns and funniest ideas and makes T-shirts out of them. You can go to bigmangear.com. That will take you to the Amazon Prime store. And on that Amazon Prime store, Amazon Prime will deliver the shirts to you. They print them and do all that jazz. So it's super convenient, and you can participate in whatever the big man thinks is funny. (laughs) That is bigmangear.com. And that is, of course, the sponsor for this segment, which says that a uh, research firm, Gartner, is predicting that large data centers, which, you know, all of our most of our data is in the cloud, and um, uh, which is also super scary, and uh, will become largely robot dependent. So right now there is probably a human. I actually knew. I, I know people who have worked and managed the data centers. Mm-hmm. They say it is offensively boring. Um, mm-hmm. I know someone who took a pay cut to come work somewhere else where I was working because she said it was so boring. Because you're just sitting there, and if if none of the servers have failure, you just sit there. I actually, a neighbor of mine here uh, in Austin, um, actually runs, I think, eight, six here in America, one in uh, Mexico City, Mexico, and I think right. one in France. So okay. they're all over the country, they're whatever. He, he's the guy that, yeah, he's the guy that manages a team of like six that yeah. manages all these facilities. Because you don't need one person at each facility yeah. that does. Right. So they fly over the country. I think he does have one guy in like Mexico City and one guy yeah. in France. And then I think the other four people or three people manage all the ones here in America. Right. And he flies to them from time to time. So currently, what this article is talking about creating an AI to do is managed by typically a person, right? Now, it's making a valid argument that I don't know actually that AI can currently handle. The argument is a person like my neighbor, let's call him Sam, Sam has 40 years of hardware and, you know, experience, experience, data experience, managing these kind of things. He makes the decisions like these servers need to be out they're outdated they're whatever yes. they need to be taken out they need this number and he puts that out on a plan over the next probably 12 to 18 months right right this quarter we're going to scale out this number of servers we're going to increase this number of servers we're going to move these servers from this facility whatever to that whatever it is to create yeah. the environment that you and i like to live in with our right. cloud-based services right right this company is trying to make the argument, the research firm Gartner, right, predicts yeah. that cloud-based data centers will leverage AI, advanced robots. Essentially, they're making the argument that everything cloud-based should be ran by robots by, by 2025. Yeah. So, no thanks. Uh, stop. And I'm already <laughs> pissed off that all of my stuff lives in a, in a cloud data center, Right, right, uh, and now you're going to let them run. But now the cloud data centers run by freaking robots. Well, the 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 argument, and it always is with technology, right? Is that okay? By doing this, you as the consumer should be able, in their numbers, and again, I have no idea how they would think they could come up with this number, would be yeah. able to increase basically product 
um, efficiency, efficiency or about thirty percent, right? Yeah, Meaning, I don't care. Yeah, but again, that's my point. Is is all of these things sometimes? If you are happy with your services, yeah, right. If you are happy with your services, I'm unhappy in life in general. But I don't want more <laughs> robots running anything. Well, I, again, I don't know that what they're thinking can be replaced. So there's this age-old uh, job thing is experience or or education, right? Yeah, experience and, and, to me is always more important. But that's my point is AI can't have necessarily, as far as I understand AI programming in today's world, right. Doesn't have experience. It has right. education, it can, and it can only learn. And yeah, guess what? Your learn. your AI. We already have AIs that run all kinds of things. Major city uses AI to run red lights. It's yeah. why sometimes you go to a red light in the afternoon and it's longer than at night. You know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah. So th- there are definitely AIs that run things and have, have have learned things to make like traffic more efficient and stuff like that. But how do you replace? Sam, in this case, 40 years of knowledge of how long servers last and how they're working and how they're functioning with an AI and a light. I I don't think that you replace Sam. I think you replace the guy, the guys that work for Sam, guys and gals that work for Sam. Right. And I think that you keep Sam instead of managing four or five people. He's just reading reports that are spit out by his AI bots. Um. But it's it's just a you know a, um, um, a corner piece of the argument that people have been making in the last five to ten you know five years mm-hmm. that automation is going to increase at a rapid pace. But you have that automation and hardware, right? When you're talking about cloud data, look, your data still has to sit on a hard drive somewhere. Correct. Okay, it's not just because it's a cloud doesn't mean it's fairy dust. No, doesn't it's, mean it's, that there's a software a, out there that can just say, hey, I need more space, and yes. it doesn't come from somewhere. Everything you do still sits in a server room, still sits in a hard drive room, whatever. Yeah. So the fact is, is whether if you're combining AI with, unless you're going to add robots to the mix, right? because somebody still physically has to go there, and remove the a bad drive. Yes. And add a new drive that's bigger or a new server or whatever. So unless you've got robots that are yeah. building drives that right. are then adding the, you know what I mean, shipping right. those drives to wherever they go, and then adding that drive into the data center. You still need a guy there, a person. The reason I included this story was because of the headline, and it said, robot dependent by 2025. That was it. <laughs> That's all I needed. That's all I needed to go. Stop. Danny is so afraid of the, and Danny says he's not a conspiracy theorist, which is, you know, a bunch of BS, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I'm not afraid. Right. You are 100% a conspiracy theorist and you are 100% afraid of the robot Skynet eventual takeover. See, there you go. You are, you are like, (laughs) I'm not afraid of it. I'm prepared for it. So any you know, so any article like this, Danny jumps all over. As yeah. in, see? see, so Ted for like the last ten years, ten years ago, it was apropos and kind of funny to talk about the zombie apocalypse and how you would survive mm-hmm. the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. That was all the rage on Facebook ten years ago with your Facebook friends. Let me tell you something: they're stupid because at that time I was saying I'm not worried about no zombies, my friend. I'm not worried about World War Z. I'm worried about World War Robot. 
We're right? wor- it's I'm, Skynet. Yeah. I'm worried about my robot vacuum going, eh, you're going to die. Now, <laughs> I'll let me tell you something. I have always, since they've had self-checkout, I have always used self-checkout because screw having to deal with somebody who doesn't know how to count change. And okay. I have always said thank you very much to the machine. <laughs> and the gal who stands overseeing you doing her old job mm. said, are you <laughs> thanking the machine? And I said, when the robot apocalypse comes, I will be this glad that I... This register is going to remember. This one is going me. into the AI-verse. Yes. They're sharing it. That's Danny right. is a friend. Danny is That's among right. us. Dan- so, <laughs> is it, is it whatever anybody wants to say, it's weird, it's odd. I don't care. Oh, God, that is so good. That is so when awesome and probably 100% true. It's 100% true. I'm not kidding. Oh, God, that is awesome. So the gal who usually stands there and oversees you doing her old job was like, Did, why would you do that? I'm like, uh-huh. You'll see. You'll see. All right. Well, when the I time guess comes, we will all see. When, when the cube of leadership lands from, from Megatron and all inanimate mechanical objects take sentient form, <laughs> and I am the Sam Witwicky uh-huh. of this a- apocalyptic robot future, I will have the last laugh as the rest of you are sent off to another planet. <laughs> To manage their robot <laughs> server farms. Okay. All right. We'll see. I'm gonna we jump, all I'm shall gonna, see. Yeah. I'm going to jump into this next story because uh, yeah. this was a fun one. Uh, I want to tell you about my company, Powerhouse Drones. Uh, drones are becoming more and more ubiquitous. If you want to learn about just basic information about drones and you want to collect a little bit of information on making a purchasing decision, you should go to powerhousedrones.com. That is the sponsor for this segment, where we're going to talk about how Lime Scooters has raised over half a billion dollars, and Uh they plan on taking their scooter company public. (laughs) Okay, Danny, I guess Danny just goes to Google, or, you know, in Danny's case, DuckDuckGo, and um, types in dumb stories that... I, you know, are worth a half a million billion dollars or dumb stories that business ideas that should never happen. Right. Listen, you can stop at dumb stories. <laughs> okay. So because you have a scooter company called Lime. Okay. Scooter companies in general. Okay. There are, we just talked about a company Zillow that gets to a point where, okay, they're losing money, so they're going to cut off their arms so that they can survive a company. Right. Now you have an example of the arm itself. <laughs> that's what this is. Lime is yes. the arm that's dying that no one wants to cut off for whatever reason. I- the, these scooter companies, electric scooter companies in all these urban areas or whatever, there's several of them. Lime is one of the bigger ones, right? Yes. That continues to garner money. And, oh, by the way, if you – look, it – it, it failed to get certain loans last year, right? Because it obviously got hit with Dos Equis and everything else. And nobody's going right? anywhere. Nobody yeah. was renting scooters of any kind, right? Riding or sanding or any of the other scooter models. But so it failed to get certain loans and tried to go S-Pack last year and failed. Right. Because of, again, 
you shouldn't be a publicly traded company. Now, the problem with this is they have yet, in any way, fashion, or form, and again, we get into wording of articles, right? Wording of articles, where the wording of this article is they've uh, finally had their first quarter where they showed a gross profit, right? Meaning that they haven't shown a profit at all. Right. They've lost, just, still lost money. They've they lost money, but not of this money. Not entirely. Not of this money. Yeah. The, because look, all of these. Do you all think about all the scooter manufacturers out there? Whether it's right. a scooter like you ride on that looks like a motorcycle, or a scooter like the electric scooters that everybody rides around standing up. Yeah. This company offers a variety of different scooter options. I didn't know that. There's not a single scooter manufacturer out there that are that are creating commercial grade scooters. Now what right. does that mean? That means that you're buying a a personal scooter, you put it on the street, yeah, and it's going to die, it's going to break down quickly. So you're buying right. a a decreasing asset right that's going to break down on you for commercial Correct. use which goes into your overall cost and it's not a model that can continue and then you add in theft, well, you add in this gets back to my what I was saying earlier about the plastic fakeness of Silicon Valley startup culture, mm-hmm. which it doesn't have to be in SV to be of that nature, of that fake nature. Now, here is a business which probably got money from your, your um, you know, everyone you expect. Um, its most recent round was. Uh, with the Abu Dhabi Growth Fund, Fidelity Management, Uber, Highbridge Capital Management, they probably have received, you know, I don't know, I'm just guessing, all of the companies, you, all of the regular, you know, the, the regular players in venture capital right. probably threw money at them. And all of those, and those people got squeezed last year. Mm-hmm. And they're going, uh, everybody, we have to take a certain percentage of our uh, asset portfolio and flip them SPAC to recover some money. Well, but th- th- look, the people that invested this round, that $523 million, oh, by the way, when they invested $523 million, this debt. company already had a $418 million debt that they haven't paid. Right. Okay. So, by the way, whenever I see Abu Dhabi Growth Fund, companies like Abu Dhabi Growth Fund, and then um, I forget the, the, the main investor in mm-hmm. WeWork, is not is a different guy. I forget the name. Uh, Masayoshi San um, is the CEO of that. Okay. Whenever I see those two companies, I go, oh, well, God. because they're they're high they're high risk investments. In that, if it fails entirely, they're willing to write that off anyway because they get to that credit anyway. Right. Does that make sense? And right. that's the difference between this year and last year. Last year there was right. a lot smaller amount of those companies, which is why last year's round of funding for them failed. Is because right. there there were people not risking these high risk, I'll just write it off, right? Extra Correct. money investments. And this year, so they turn around and they're oh, by bank. The, sorry. Okay, so soft bank. bank. Um, right. So when I see SoftBank and you know any of the Middle Eastern, uh, you know uh, sovereign wealth funds have invested, I go, oh, okay, you're doomed. Well, part of that 525. Guess what? So you got 418 million dollars in debts. Right. You raised 523 million in venture and, debt, and guess which what? is not regular venture funds. 105 million dollars of that comes from a bank that the bank 
is that particular bank specializes in loaning money to below investment grade credit ratings, right? Right. And oh, by the way, in all of this that Lime released, didn't release the interest rates on any of these loans. Yeah. So basically, the 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 long and short of why I included this story was, hey, guess what? They're putting out this company that has the exact same logo as LimeWire, the old peer-to-peer <laughs> sharing network. Um, and what they're effectively trying to do is dump garbage on the market and hope that the consumers bail out the billionaire investors. Well, they look across How the street. It looks to me. They look across the street, and you have a, a, a competitor, which is the largest, the second largest bird, went SPAC. And raised $2.3 billion, right? So, again, how does, which, oh, by the way, raised $2.3 billion as an SPAC, and yeah. the stock dropped 40% in the matter of the week. So, right. your average investor has naked, now taken a 40% loss on their loss. investment because right. it wasn't a profitable business to begin with, right? So, that is, so that, you know, there was a statistic that I saw in a Wall Street Journal video or someone else. That said something along the lines of there's this rush to do SPACs, but all the SPACs are like they perform horribly. Well, because they're their initial investors are getting their money back. You're Correct. giving all rich people their investment right. money back and taking on that debt as a shareholder and Correct. not even understanding it. Right. And I just right before we started the show was telling Big Man that I made huge investments in things that I have, no, I don't even understand. But He's that's, like, so that's the average person. And then you think correct. about, because here's most people assume in their head somewhere right. that if they go to, let's say you're going to buy a car and you go to CarMax, right. you are there going, okay, CarMax is a name that I recognize. So right. that in my, in your brain goes, well, that means they're going to take care of me in some way. The, the car that they're selling me is not going to be a key piece of garbage. No, they're, they're not, not going to take be, care of you at all. But no, they're not. But my point right. is, is there's because they're a big company, right? They, you, there's a part of you that assumes I can go to CarMax and I can buy a car for right. a decent price at a decent, you know what I mean? Whatever. That right. I'm not going to get bamboozled instead of by the meth head down the street that's trying to right. get me to buy, right? They assume it's different. People do in their brains, right? right? This is one of those where people go, oh, there's a new SPAC, right? It's a new publicly traded company. So I'm assuming in my head that the market, right, this must be a profitable company that right. if they're going public. This must be a blah, blah, blah. In my So you're assuming this is a real company with a real product that's making real money. And if but you don't do enough research, the fact is that it's not. Right. And then you lose all your money and you wonder why, when in all, really what you did is you handed your money with a billion other people, your right. little bit of money, to the initial investors so that they could have their money back. Right. Because if they don't get their money back, they might have to sell one of the yachts in their fleet. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and, yeah. that, why, and if that's the rules, if I can take a non-profitable company... Yes, and, make and make it, it a public. reverse merger on SPAC and make yeah. it public and get my investment back and all the interest that I'm owed because it's all yes. in the debt, right? It's all right. hidden in the numbers, right? So I can get 
my hundred million plus my hundred million of debt that I've accrued over the last three years of investing in this company, right. I can walk away with two million two hundred million dollars because I've shoved it off on you, and I you know give an extra bonus to my yacht captain right, right. or whatever. Of course. So uh, that. And this is why a lot of people don't even buy and sell stocks. They then in turn give their money to wealth managers that find this information and don't invest in these companies. Right. Well, that's smart. That's good. Right. But again, then they get fleeced by those same money managers because they're making, you know, For what I mean? points Whatever. and the points are always absurd. But that's uh, yeah. just the way the ball bounces sometimes. Um, I just thought this was funny because this is it's it's freaking scooters. And they're trying to go, they're trying to take up like, you know, these insane valuations. It's scooters. Look, folks, at some point when you want to start a business, you start and look, I'm not telling anybody not to try anything. Try anything right. you want. Of course. Yeah. Just constantly reevaluate whether it's worth exactly. what you're dumping into it. Right. I mean, that's all. That's all I'm saying. If something yeah, is dropping, if you've borrowed $500 million or $418 million that you can't pay back, Maybe it's time. But if it, in the scenario where I've invested or borrowed that kind of money, I just want everyone to know here and now, I will take the company public via SPAC. And I will, <laughs> I will, I will collect my money back. Of course, Danny would. Um, and I'm not going to say sorry on the back end. But I'm just saying, at some point, you got to go. Uh, hey, maybe this is not a sustainable business model, right. or maybe it's too early. Maybe it's not the right time. Right. Whatever. Okay. I just, I just don't think that the peer-to-peer -peer economy, unfortunately, the peer-to-peer -peer economy, which we thought, you know, like the the likes of Uber and Lyft, you know, created or or really popularized is a better right. phrase. I don't believe it worked. And the reason it didn't work was because there was a race to the bottom, because there was too many competitors to be the platform. And once you train a consumer that it, it's it's two dollars to deliver your groceries, you're not going to be able to explain to that consumer. Well, that's actually it's fifteen dollars to deliver your groceries, um, and that's if we're delivering five to five of your neighbors. Uh, but we're taking a loss on it so that we can gain market share to push somebody else out. And then when that fails, we're going to take the company public via SPAC so that our investors can recoup their their investment. And then we're middle fingers to the sky. You're all going to lose all your money. And, you know, that's, that's, but that's, that's business though. That's competition. Well, but commercial rental, it look, okay. Rental cars, for example. Right. Okay. Right. Enterprise, Avis, all these different, there's a reason you don't see Bob's rental car on the corner anymore right. because there came a time that Bob could not own enough vehicles to rent them out to your average consumer and the right. damage that they cause on average and get enough money back for the car payment that he bought the car for, right? Right, right. Enterprise and these fleet vehicles can buy them at a cost that it makes money to make money, right? To make sense. Right. Bob's rental car can't do that, right? It became an right. unsustainable model, which is why these big conglomerates came about, right? Right. This is, falls in that same category. You cannot yes. rent commercial goods to your average consumer Right. Because of the way they take care of things. Right. Which, listen, there is a there is a joke or meme among car guys. The fastest car is the car that you rented. Well, but that's my point. Is so yeah. you got you you're uh, 
you're relying if you sat down on a piece of paper and said, All right, I can buy a, a, a Letscape Pro scooter for a thousand dollars. Well, and if I can rent that out at a dollar for a thousand hours, which it should last yeah. longer than that, now I've made a profit. Well that that ma- that idea makes sense. The right. problem is is when you're dealing with the average everyday person that's going to rent a scooter because I don't care. I'm people that it. have a net worth of a million dollars plus aren't renting a scooter. Correct. Right? So they're not going to probably treat your $1,000 scooter like a $1,000 scooter. They're going to treat it like the dollar per hour that they're paying. Right. And then you combine that with it's not made to do that. Right. Right. It's It's not. There's a difference between commercial grade made products and consumer consumer made products. There's just a difference in durability. Right. Right. Because it's, you know, if you look at for people, it's easy to understand. If you look at commercial grade flooring versus consumer grade flooring, you ain't even in the ballpark. It's not even in a close. And there's yeah. a it costs more for that commercial grade flooring, but it lasts them it's a higher value because it lasts yeah. them so much longer. And that's the difference. So so and and I don't blame that for not existing because there's not right. a market for it to exist. And they've proved by using consumer grade scooters that nobody can it's you can't make money. Right. So why would any scooter manufacturer out there make a commercial grade scooter right. when they know the business? That's what I'm saying. So all when you all the different angles of this, because it get let me tell you something, folks. If if it can make money, people in the world will figure it out. Somebody will figure out how to make money. So the it, fact yeah. that this company, right, that there's no manufacturer out there ramping up its commercial grade scooter manufacturing. Right. It's just another red flag to tell you that this is an unsustainable model. Because I guarantee you, if there was a company that thought that there could be money made from renting out scooters, it would be making commercial-grade scooters tomorrow. It would figure it out. Yeah. Because demand for a product, right, Right. it just comes out. So it's just another red flag to stay as far away from a Lime scooter S-Pack as possible. Correct. Well, today I want to close by giving you our tip of the week. As I do, I end our show every week with the tip of the week. The tip of the week is in the United States of America, I want to tell you about the greatest, absolute best deal in all of retail across their 2,100 plus locations. You can go to any Aldi store and rent a shopping cart for 25 cents and just take it home with you. God, you're awful. It's a quarter. You can effectively buy a shopping cart for a quarter. It's still stealing, Danny. It's it's not not stealing. I gave them money. It is the best deal at all of retail, I tell you. Danny has no idea what a social contract is. And on that note, folks, we'll see you next week. All right.